You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, Building the Collective Conscience, a show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. Man, it's a beautiful day. Uh, Might be a little hot outside, but today is a day where I believe things are changing in our country. Um, I have, for the most part, uh, have been a optimist most of my life, but over the course of the, I would say the last <laughs> decade or so, my uh, pessimism has uh, at some, sometimes in some occasions uh, taken a hold of me, but I think things are changing. I think things are more widespread. I think the, um, the introduction of social media and its importance, its penetration, and how it has uh, not only impacted culture, but influenced culture, uh, is making a difference. And uh, we're much more connected and information moves at the speed of light. And I think it's, um, it's a really interesting time. I'm not saying that this is a watershed moment like so many other people. I'm not on that bandwagon. And I know we have a lot of people that, quote unquote, have gotten woke in this moment. Uh, But this is about sustainability. Again, I want to emphasize it's not about it's not about emotion or passion. All of that is great. It's not even about outrage. All of that is necessary, but it's about sustainability, commitment, follow through. Um, we have ahead of us years of work, maybe even generational um, years of work. And that's why today, and I've been talking about this, if you've been following me on social media, um, I've been talking about building a new America, building a new America. And I want to emphasize at the core of this idea, this conceptual idea of building a new America is the very idea that none of us have seen it. None of us has experienced it. It's new. It's a complete transform of the way that we think about the ideas, our democracy, our laws, our policies. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of of, um, behaving. And we have not seen that. Now, I believe we have imagined aspects of it, but we have not experienced it. You see, I think the most dangerous thing in this hour of this American experiment is a lack of knowledge regarding America's history. The problem is, is that Americans, as Ellison, Ralph Ellison, so elegantly said that Americans don't know who they are. We lack an understanding of who we are, where we come from. It's not in our history books. It's not taught in many of the homes of America. I don't care if it's black or white. And Black parents want to shield their kids from the ugliness and White parents are mainly naive to the, I think, the specifics of American history. It's not just Black history or Native history or 
or uh, Latino history. It's it's just a, a lack of understanding of how this country came to be and through which this country has journeyed and the damage it has caused to get to this point. So I want to talk about building a new America. You see, America is not working. Our country is broken. Now, someone would argue we've come a long way. Things have changed. Um, just turn on your TV. Look at the protests. Look at the outrage. Look at the indifference. Look at the president having peaceful protesters mauled down, tear gassed. And you tell me this country is whole. This country is broken. And for many Black people, America has always been broken. It's nothing new. Uh, for those who have suffered at the hands of the powerful, the rich, understands that this country has never, has never been whole. It is broken. Dr. King said, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds, <laughs> a check that was promised to us. Oh, we're going to get into that. Dr. King was right on. The promises of America are broken. America has not been silent when it comes to race relations and the problems that it exists. Matter of fact, it is at the foundation of this country. The struggle for who is the rightful heir to the American promises and dream. That has been the struggle throughout our history. Will the real Americans stand up? And for a long time, it was considered white males. And then somehow the black man was put in there, and but he was, again, oppressed. And then women came into the picture, and they were given an opportunity, but not a real opportunity. Immigration and immigrants coming. And, and so the, the, this idea of who is the real American? has broken this country. Black Americans have been patient and forgiving through it all. Through the pain and the setbacks, we have been long suffering. No one can question our resolve. We have worked with the powers that be only to wind up being disappointed. For 401 years, America has failed us. Blacks have fought in every war for America's freedom, and yet this freedom eludes them. We were patient when you denied us education, decent and fair housing. You denied us the right to vote, denied us access to health care, rejected us when we returned from placing our lives on the line for America's freedom and prosperity, patient through the horrific years of Jim Crow. You told us, you promised us that emancipation, desegregation, voting rights, a Fair Housing Act would allow us to take our rightful seats next to our white brothers and sisters. You said that the community block grant funding would build our communities only to discover that the practices of ur urban renewal devastated it. We have been patient, but hurt when you assassinated Dr. King and Malcolm X. We were patient when you kicked us out of your churches so we had to build our own. We were patient when you medically ex experimented on us. We are patient, yet outraged from generation of police brutality and violence. So I say to you today, America is not working for us. And if you were honest with yourself, 
you would agree with me. I want to just bring your attention. We're talking about building a new America. Now, the funny thing or the strange thing or the ironic thing about building a new America is we have a blueprint. It's already been codified. We've been struggling to fulfill these American ideas. I want to bring your attention to two very important documents. The first one being the U.S. Constitution. People throw around the Constitution as if it's this thing that you can throw on one's face when someone disagrees with you. The Constitution was not written for one group of people. The ideas in the Constitution, and I would also be talking about the Declaration of Independence, the ideas were written for humanity, for a way that humans should be treated, the way that laws should be followed, the way that institutions should operate, not for one class of people, but for humanity. That means anyone born of a woman. All of us have been born of a woman. But these, the preamble to the Constitution reads like this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to perfect ourselves, and to establish justice, and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. The promises to perfect us, to perfect our ideas, to give justice, to provide tranquility and welfare. This means the good fortune, health, happiness, prosperity, to bless us with liberty. That's what this document was created to do for this country, to bring tranquility, to bring liberty, to establish justice, to perfect us. I ask you today, how far are we away from this document? How many minorities feel like they're living a tranquil life? How many feel that the blessings of liberty rest upon them? How many feel that they have access to prosperity and safety and justice. One of the chants, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. So how can we say that we have lived up to these ideas? I would say it's a failure. It's a big failure. These are promises. This is the check that Dr. King talked about that came back insufficient funds. Let's take a look at the Declaration of Independence. The preamble reads this way. We hold these truths to be self-evident. They're clear. You see them, I see them. They're self-evident. I don't need to argue. I don't need to make a point. They are self-evident evident that all men, they should have included women, are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. You can't take them away. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Promises. Promises to Americans. We're going to talk a little bit about citizenship here in a minute. 
But these are promises, not just to white men, not just to black men, not just to black women, white women, to Latinos, Asians, anyone that is a citizen of this country. I would say anyone that's in this country. Promises. America promised this to us. Equality. It says, I promise you equality. I promise you rights. I promise you liberty. I promise you life. Well, I think, I think they fail, Brother George, Brother Trayvon, Brother Kawan McDonald, Brother Eric Gardner, and so forth. Promises in our founding documents. Let's talk a little bit about who these promises are for. That's why we have the 14th Amendment, which rights guaranteed privileges and immunities of citizenship, due process and equal protection. This is why I'm making a case for a new America, because this does not exist in our current America. It has never existed. From slavery to the current day, we cannot say that everyone has access to citizenship. We cannot say that everyone has the same privileges. We cannot say that everyone has due process. That's why we're protesting right now. Did George Floyd get due process? No. He was tried and convicted, arrested, tried and convicted and executed in front of our eyes. That's not due process. All persons born or neutralized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. There's no question. And people tell me, go back to Africa. <laughs> well, I've, I've been to Africa. You've heard me say that many times. I spent six months on the continent. Okay. Africa is the birthplace of humanity. If that's the case, we all should go back then. Listen, I was born here. I'm an American. According to the Constitution, our founding documents, I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen. No citizen is above the other. But yet and still, many for many years, and even I can make an argument today that black folks have been second-class citizens. Our citizens of the United States and of the state we're in, they reside. No state, get this, shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities. In other words, I'm immune from them doing that. We're talking about COVID-19 right now, right? We're looking for some sort of um, immunity to that, right? We're looking for that so that we can be protected from it. This document says, I'm immune from abuse. I'm immune from you taking away my due process. It can't happen. Well, in this America, it does. Immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, and property. I'm supposed to be immune from that. Why? Because I'm a citizen. You see, in the new America, I'm immune from that. I have access to due process. I have access to life and liberty. In the new America, it doesn't matter what the color of my skin may be. It doesn't matter what my gender, it doesn't matter who I may choose to love. It doesn't matter what faith I choose to practice. I'm immune because I am a citizen of the new America. 
the 15th Amendment was given the right to vote, to exercise my voice. Now, I want you to understand something here. Your voice, yes, voting is our duty, our obligation. And I think as Black people, when we look back in history and we see how much Black folks went through to vote, how they, many of them, lost their lives trying to vote. So when I hear a Black person that says, I'm not going to vote, it doesn't make a difference, I think you're being extremely disrespectful to our foremothers and forefathers. I think you're being ignorant of the importance of casting your voice in that way. But I like to say today that it's bigger than voting. Your voice must be heard in your small circle. Your voice must be heard in corporate America. Your voice must be heard not only in the black barbershop, but also when you petition your government. Your voice must be heard. The problem with what is happening now is that the voices are being raised to the heavens, and yet when the clouds clear, we become silent. We go back to our comfortable lives, right? It's happened before. Matter of fact, I will say that's the norm. If I was a betting man, my odds would be that we would go back to the norm. But it is the voices of the people that will bring us and take us into a new America. The chorus of those saying, no more. The chorus of those saying, look, we cannot have white privilege in this society. We cannot let white supremacy reign in this society. Not black folks, white folks. When that chorus becomes so resounding that those in power cannot take it. They can plug their ears. They can put on double hearing protection. They can slap the pillow around their heads. But when those voices become so resounding, they can't help but change. The problem is we let them off the hook. That's the problem. We become lazy. It's too much. It's taking too long. I want to caution you. If we want to build a new America, it's going to take time, strength, commitment, setback, but victory. We have to fight to change what has been in existence since America's beginning. Change doesn't happen overnight. It took us 400 plus years to get here. Do you think we're going to change this in the next two, three years? 10 years? 20 years, some of us will move on to the next phase. Whatever you believe that to be. And work will still need to be done. What does this new America look like? Well, folks, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to get deeper into building a new America. I need you to be convinced that the current America that we live in is broken. Folks, hang in there. We'll be right back.
This is Jamie Lindbergh, host of Upbeat Urbanism, a podcast where we seek to have an open dialogue about what it takes to create healthy, intentional, sustainable communities, one conversation at a time. Each episode is an interview with a city planner, leader, developer, real estate professional, or community builder. To listen, search for Upbeat Urbanism wherever you find podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UUrbanism and on Facebook at Upbeat Urbanism. Devote yourself to your community around you and devote yourself to creating something that gives you purpose and meaning. Until then, keep it upbeat. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. Yeah, a new America, one in which all children are free, one in which I can walk down the streets and not have to look over my shoulder, an America in which I can walk into a space and not feel like I don't belong, America in which Even when I make a mistake and I'm criticized for it, I don't think about whether this is based upon my gender or my race. A new America where I have the same outlook for favorability for my life, for my family, for my children, for my friends that anyone else has. A new America. But we have not seen this America before. I reemphasize to you. We have not participated in this America I speak of today. Yet we can imagine it. And if we can imagine it, I think we can make it happen. I want to take a listen. There's an organization called um, New America. They've been around for a while. They've been on the cutting edge of talking about how America should look as far as climate change and social justice and criminal justice reform and so forth. But I thought this was fitting for this moment. Take a listen and we're going to come back and talk about it. I believe deeply that America is a country that holds itself to a set of ideals and a set of values that are universal and deeply important. We are a country that falls radically short of achieving those ideals and have from the beginning. We announced all men are created equal and we recognized African-American men as only three-fifths of a man. Our history is this process of holding ourselves to these ideals, believing deeply in them, and yet constantly falling short. We're not better than other people in the world, but the system brings out our aspirations to be something better and to to stand for that for all human beings. What I see myself doing in the world that we're trying to bring about is that process of renewal, the process of hope and aspiration, the best that human beings can be, even while recognizing we will fall short and that there are countless problems, but it is that belief in possibility that is who we are at our best. The country right now is at a lower point, and I imagine unlocking that energy and aspiration and hope, and in doing so, standing for the possibility for all humans. Three-fifths of a person, ideas and value, 
are universal. Universal. But yet, we have fallen short time and time again. I like how she said, the world we are trying to bring about. You see, I, it's, it's, and I, I guess I want us to understand that while we can't forget what we've been through, while we have to acknowledge that and deal with that, it's not just about fixing those problems, but about creating a society where those problems don't exist. That's two different ways of looking at our current situation. Now, what does a new America look like? Now, I'm going to introduce to you some very difficult things. Matter of fact, one might say they're impossible to achieve. Well, at one time, nobody imagined a man would fly to the moon. They would say that was impossible. Or even the automobile or the computer, cell phone. Um, so when you when you say it's not possible, remember, uh, things are possible to them that believe. So this New America, it begins with power redistribution. Mm. This might be one of the hardest aspects of a new America. That those in power can no longer keep it to themselves. It's impossible for us to create a new America with the same people in power, mainly white males. That's been the history of this country. And I'm not saying for one minute that all white males are the problem. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there has to be a sharing of power if we want to enter into a new America on the local, state, and federal level. And I don't mean simply by including others, because this is a trick that has happened now for decades. Let's bring in a Black or Latino. Let's put them at the table. But you don't give them no power. They... <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. I mean, I have been used oftentimes to sit at the table, but I have no power. I can't make a decision. I have to run it through you. And if you disagree with it, it doesn't happen. Or if you want to change it around and do it a different way, then I have to submit to that authority. We will never bring about change if we do not re have a redistribution of power in our country. What does that mean? You got to get out of the way. It's, it's, it's not that you are smarter or more capable more charismatic, more innovative. No, that's not it. It just happens to be that this system favors whiteness. There are plenty qualified minorities that could be in these power positions around our country. And they should be. They should be sharing in the decision-making of our country, where our economic dollars go, tax dollars, 
policies and procedures. They should be sitting on the boards of some of these. They should be leading some of the boards of some of these major corporations. Yes, especially these corporations that have a, a mission to minority people. How many boards do you know of that say their mission is to help minority people and there's no minorities on their board? And they've never had a board president that's a minority or a secretary or a treasurer or a vice president. But yet, that's how they make their money. That's how they line their pockets. No, folks. If we want to build a new America, power must be redistributed. In a new America, to get there, we need reparations. Oh, this is a tough one. Oh, I, I hear the arguments. We, you know, we, no, no, nobody's alive today that was a slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about slavery, uh, convict leasing, Jim Crow, redlining. Uh, mass incarceration, who built the ghetto, which the United States do to redlining. Let's talk about a lack of education. All of those things that put you ahead, that line your pockets. Some of our biggest corporations today use slave labor to build their wealth. That wealth that was handed down, from generation to generation, built upon the backs of slaves. If it wasn't for the cotton industry and the tobacco industry on the backs of slaves, America would not be the economic power it is today. So you say to me, well, you, you are not a slave, but yet I've never been free, though. Reparations must happen. We have to equalize the playing field. For those years of economic loss and abuse, I don't even have to talk about sharecropping. Remember I said the most dangerous thing in this moment is to not know American history. Black people were, were promised after the end of the Civil War. Emas emancipation, you don't get 40 acres and a mule. They did not get that, but white folks got even more, three times that. Listen, reparations is necessary. We need to have a conversation and we need to get it done, that will close the wealth gap. You see, these first two things I've talked about, power redistribution and reparations, takes courage, humility. It takes an understanding of what has transpired in this country, and it takes voices, pressure, commitment to make sure that this happens. Without it, you cannot build a new America. We cannot have a new America where the wealth gap exists, where less than 1% hold the majority of the wealth in this country. We cannot have a system where it's easier for a white man without a college degree with a criminal record to get a job than it is for a black man without a criminal record with a college degree. That can't exist in a new America. We can't have a new America where Fortune 500s, all of them are the same race and all of the worker bees are minorities. You can't have a new America like that. 
again, we need a new system, but it's really an old system that was hijacked by those in power. This system that was laid out very clearly in the Constitution, in the direct Declaration of Independence. I don't have to go back over those, but we need a new system that is based upon that, not based upon race or class or gender. You might say, well, it's not. Yes, it is. The application of the system is. I give you one example, crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. Why does blacks get a greater punishment because it's cooked and smoked then it snorted. Well, white folks normally snorted. But blacks get a harsher shit. The application of it. Those promises and ideas are the foundation for a system, but the application is not race, is not based upon race ethnicity, gender, is based upon those ideas. And in order to build a new America, we have to change our education system. We have to change it. It's no good. It's no good. Listen, when, when, when we teach one version of American history we keep our citizenry ignorant, which I don't mind saying further prevents us from moving closer to those ideas. There's no true black history or Latino history or Asian history being taught in our elementary schools. The role and the important roles of minorities are not taught there are people in, in, in Oklahoma who went through, listen, that graduated from OU, UCO, OSU, that don't even know about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. How did that, how could that happen? It's in their own backyard. Why? Because it's not taught. If we don't teach true American history, I'm, I, and, and listen, I'm not just talking about a history class. I'm talking about in literature. I'm talking about in mathematics, in the sciences. Minorities contribute in all facets of our society. But, but our people are ignorant. Because you know what? If you don't know, if you don't know, you believe anything. And this false narrative that our country has laid down, too many people believe it. And that's why we see what's happening today. That's why you don't, you see, well, I don't understand. Well, you know, they had a black president and, you know, they have, black millionaires and they and they have some of them live in my neighborhood i don't know why this is happening it's you don't know because you don't know you don't know history if you knew history you would be out there protesting advocating you would be part of the solution instead of criticizing and pointing out these anomalies in the system the Ophel Renfries, you know, I should be, I should be happy because Oprah has her own channel. <laughs> Our education needs to tell the true American story. I'm writing a book called Building a New America. I will lay out all of these things from fair housing policies, equitable education, access to health care, Community policing. Now, let me say something about that. 
we have to completely deconstruct, reconstruct policing in America. Anyone today that's saying you that we need to conform the system, reform the system. No, we need to transform the system. As the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and comes out at, as this beautiful butterfly, it needs to be transformed. Completely different. I don't care. You know what? I'm tired of people saying that there's good officers. I'm, I'm tired of it. What, what, is, what, what does that mean? What does that mean for, for Brother George Floyd? What does that mean for all the experiences that I've had by police and their abusive tactics? Oh, there's good cops, too. What does that mean? That means nothing to me. That means nothing to black people because we continue to see the abuse. What did they do to that 75-year-old man? Pushed him down. He cracked his skull. Why? Oh, but there's good police officers, though. That means a lot for him. Now he's laying up in intensive care. I bet, I bet his family is happy that there are good police officers. We need to stop interjecting that. That's, to me, that's on the same level as all lives matter. Nobody is, 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 is attacking, quote unquote, good police officers. No one has a problem with good police officers. No one is marching and protesting against good police officers. We need to stop interjecting that because it is offensive. And it's a deviation from what's important. Those officers who use force because they can. And forced to the point of eight minutes and 46 seconds of taking Brother George's life. This community policing transformation. We need to have community, not, not city policing, community policing, where officers are truly part of the community. If you're going to police a community, you should volunteer in that community. In my opinion, you should live in that community. You should know the residents in that community. It should be a true relationship. We can incentivize that. Why not incentivize officers to live within the communities they service? And I'm not talking about I live in the suburbs and, and you know, I'm only five. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the midst of the community. If you're going to police the south side of Chicago, live in the south side of Chicago. That's what I'm saying. Volunteer there. Go to church there. We can incentivize that. How, how, the, the police budget is outrageous as it begin with. You can use those dollars that you use for buying more weaponry to incentivize officers to truly be part of their community. I'm going to break that down in the book. We got to get, we have to throw away the way we think about policing. And again, if you don't know your history, the whole policing system comes out of the Fugitive Slave Act. Go back and look it up. You see, if we don't know our history, the system was broken from the start. And oh, yeah, we're going to try to institute these reforms. And where has that brought us? Has, 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 has black men stopped dying? How long will we continue to do the same thing? Well, doing the same thing benefits a few. 
right? We need to tell those benefactors that, listen, no more. So when people are calling for defund the police, I, I don't have a problem with that. We need police. We do. I'm the first to say we need them, but we need them to operate differently. And listen, folks, sometimes people don't, people don't understand until they take your, your pocketbook, until you hit you with your, and they reach in your wallet, and all of a sudden now we got their attention. Folks, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. The last thing I want to hit on, there were others, but I want to wind this show up. Economic reform. Most of the economic policies in the United States, and this is going back, this is not recent. You can go back to the, the New Deal. Many Blacks call it the, the Raw Deal. Um, you, we can go back throughout history and we'll find out that although these proposals came to be, they didn't benefit black people. You said, well, well, how can I say that? Look at the black community. If, if the federal government is pouring all of this money into the black community, think about this for a minute. All even now with opportunity zones and, and, and tax increment financing and community block grant, but even today, with all of this federal government monies being poured into the black community, why are black communities food deserts? Why is the unemployment rate twice the national average? Normally, why? Why? Because the people <laughs> that are in charge of running these programs don't know what the hell they're doing. There is no minority at the table with decision making power. Okay, you might say, well, Michael, that's kind of harsh. Okay, let me just say this to you. How long do you want before it looks like a failure? Five years? 10 years? 20 years? 30 years? How long has urban renewal been around? Urban renewal. Oh, y'all need to know y'all history. We, you have done it your way. We've even sat back and allowed you to do it your way. And in some cases, you've allowed for us to come to the table, but it was still your way. When will it be our moment to do what is right for our community? When will you give up power, share your power? so that we can actually do what these policies and programs and initiatives were designed to do. Because let me let you in on a secret, you're not getting it done. As harsh as that may sound, the proof is in the pudding, the evidence is there. And if you disagree with me, show me. And then let's take a walk through 53206 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Let's take a walk through 73136 in Oklahoma City. Let's take a walk. And then you tell me it's working. Folks, we're getting heated up here. One mic, one voice, building a new America. Man, I'm going to get some feedback from that, man. I know I, <laughs> I stepped so some toes there. Listen, change is difficult. Change is hard. But we got to do it. Hey, we're going to take a break. We winding this thing down. We don't have much longer. I appreciate you being here, folks. Hang in there. We have a few more minutes building a new America. We will be right back.
Hi everyone, this is Roxy Davis. And this is Deborah Burris. And we are the Roxy by Design Show. Our show is designed to bring healing as we share our stories while God redesigns our lives. So take a ride with us. So you can find us at Podbean, iTunes, Facebook and Twitter, and blackandstudios.com. So thank you everyone for listening to the Roxy by Design Show. You have a blessed day. We love you. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. All right. Now let me get my dancing shoes on. Back in the day, they, they, you know, they said I could move a little bit, you know. <laughs> Building a new America. Building a new America. Well, there is a new America coming. We can be part of it, um, but it's coming. I want to take a quick, and this is our last video, and then we're going to cruise on out of here. But this is from MSNBC, the Lawrence O'Donnell show, this video um, that talks about the desire for a new America toward the end of it. Take a listen. Here's a moment in Los Angeles yesterday. It was actually in Santa Monica yesterday afternoon, and it was captured on local Los Angeles TV by reporter Coco McAboy for Channel 11. Hey, guys, you see this? Okay, do you guys want to come back to us? Hey, do you guys want to come back to us? That brave young woman ran in there to stop that destruction of that store and at least temporarily scared those people away from that store. There were scenes of destruction in Santa Monica, California yesterday, and there were scenes of heroism like that, trying to prevent destruction. And the destruction was preceded by a protest demonstration that was 100% peaceful, 100% peaceful. During our discussion now is Heather McGee, co-chair of Color of Change and an MSNBC contributor and Professor Eddie Gloud is back with us. And Heather, I have been struggling for perspective in our coverage, uh, which is what am I supposed to do when I'm at that uh, protest yesterday in Santa Monica? I watched the whole thing. It's 100% peaceful. And then there's this small group of people, two dozen, three dozen maybe, who dominate television for the rest of the night because they have run into stores to grab $70 sneakers and things like that. And those are the people who get all of the attention uh, in the coverage of this. How do we find perspective in the way we, are, we watch these events? Lawrence, I want to thank you for being self-reflective about that, because the, the message of this moment is the extraordinary courage and heroism of the everyday Americans, many of them young, a multiracial group of Americans in every single state in this country who have joined together with an urgent demand to transform this nation. And they're doing it during a global pandemic with the threat of unconscionable police brutality that is only getting worse with these nationwide curfews that give police a free range to, to attack people just for exercising their First Amendment rights. They're doing it because they see a new America coming, and they're willing to fight for it, and they're willing to put their bodies on the line for it. And, you know, I'm sure Professor Glad and I have all been to protests like the ones in these past two days, but have never seen so many people of different races and ethnicities coming together repeatedly to say enough is enough. 
We see a new America coming, and it's time for those who are holding on to the old ways to simply get out of the way. It's courage and it's bravery, and that's what you need to focus on. To the old ways, they need to get out of the way. Multiracial, calling for calling for a transformation of this nation. This is bigger. See, see, this is what people thought. This is about George Floyd. It, it is about what happened. But the spark that ignited the flame, the flame has canvases the history of our country. And this flame has ignited this idea that enough is enough. No longer, no more. People are fed up with an impotent government. They're fed up with established status quo leadership. They're fed up with the violence, with the brutality, they're fed up with leaders that sit back comfortably in their power, in their prosperity, and accept it. They're fed up, and they see, they see a new America. It's in the distance, that, but there's still that white supremacy, that whiteness, that skewed national identity, that nationalism, that hatred, that discrimination and racism and anti-Semitism and, and, and xenophobia and, 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 and homophobia and, and, and they see that sexism, all of that is in the middle. But this group, this multi-racial, cultural, young, old, but that group is pushing because they see, they see in horizon, there's a new America. It's coming. But only if we continue to raise our voices and push and hold people accountable, remove those from office who shouldn't be there. Lisa says, I truly believe white people had to see their own being brutalized, meaning the 75-year-old gentleman to believe it, an elderly white man. We're seeing this. They are seeing this. America has never lived up to its ideas. We've been struggling to live up to those ideas from the get-go. While there have been tweaks in the system, the system simply evolves. Why? Because we've had the same sort of individuals in power from the get-go. However, there's a new America coming. My question to you, my brothers and sisters, which side are you on? There is no time for neutrality. You can't be neutral. You just can't. People say, well, you know, I, I like to hear the other side and I, I want to work with the other that th those days are over with the idea of compromise is over with black folks have been compromising for 401 years it's time to pick a side this again is not about conformity it's transformative Will you be transformed? 
or will you conform to what already exists? Because what already exists is dying, not only in numbers, but in all aspects of American life. This is inescapable truth. We can either embrace it or it will come by revolution. But rest assured, it is coming because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time and what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided people? Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our lives. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. This episode is brought to you by Blackened Studios. To learn more about Blackened Studios, go to blackenedstudios.com or visit their Facebook page. The views and opinions of the One Mic, One Voice podcast show do not reflect the views of Blackened Studios or our other sponsors.